0: Welcome to the Urban Church Podcast. If you would like more information about Urban, please visit our website at lifeaturban.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy the message. So these are either bloopers that were said uh, in person or they're in the program, and and I think we have them on the screen as well. The first one says this, don't let worry kill you, let the church help. Okay, we're just warming up here, all right? Here's, Here's one. Thursday night potluck supper. Prayer and medication to follow. So, don't eat any food afterwards, all right? Here's the next one. Remember in prayer the many who are sick of our church and community. Wow. For those of you who have children and don't know it, we have a nursery downstairs. How many of you guys have children and don't know it? Don't raise your hand, all right? Um... <laughs> Thursday at 5 p.m., there will be a meeting for the Little Mothers Club. All wishing to become little mothers, please see the minister in his private study. (laughs) Wow. That didn't happen here. Don't worry. (laughs) That was your other church. No, just kidding. (laughs) How about this one? Next Sunday, a special collection will be taken to defray the cost of the new carpet. All those wishing to do something on the new carpet will come forward and get a piece of paper. I guess that's one you'll catch later. Just make a mental note. This being Easter Sunday, we will ask Ms. Lewis to come forward and lay an egg on the altar. Miss Lewis, where are you? Can you come forward, please? John chapter 20, starting in the first one. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early... Well, it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, and the one who Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter. Can I just make a mental note here? Uh, This is the Gospel of John. This is John's account of what took place on Resurrection Day. And so John is writing this, and he's talking about Peter as he's writing this, and and he keeps making reference to the other disciple. Do you know who the other disciple is? It's John, okay? He's making reference to himself. Now listen to the way he references himself, the one whom Jesus loved. (laughs) A little selfish, isn't it? But what gets me more than that is when he's talking about himself, it says, so Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb, but both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter. (laughs) Talk about boasting in your own writing. Are you with me this morning? I mean, hey, by the way, I mean, just trying to get a jab. I mean, Think about how long the Bible's been around, and people have been reading this. Think about how horrible Peter feels right now. Dude, you are slow. I outran you. Look, they're reading it again. Okay, here we go. Just a little side note. And both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter. It's for you, Peter. And reached the tomb first. Stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went up into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw, and he believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he, Jesus, must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Verse 11, But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stood to look in the, stooped to look in the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been laid, one at the head and, and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around saw Jesus standing, but she did not know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be a gardener, now let me just stop there. It's a bad day when you mistake Jesus for the gardener. Are you with me? The very one that she's looking for, the very one that she's seeking, she looks right at him and thinks he's the gardener. Okay, now let me just, let me just put this in modern day. Let's just say you're at your job. How many of you guys have a job? If not, we'll pray for you to get one, okay? Let's just say you're at your job and you're walking down the hallway and Jesus is standing right there, but you, you think he's the custodian. How many of you guys think that would disqualify you from heaven? <laughs> Jesus right there and you think he's the custodian. Mary mistakes Jesus for the gardener. She said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary... to her. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. God, I pray that on this Easter Sunday, that the next few moments that we have together, that, Lord, this story would come alive to us, and and it would make sense to us, and and we would walk away from today blessed. We would walk away from today challenged, and we would walk away today turned around and seeing you as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. I love Easter uh, because for me, Easter represents something specific. Now, obviously, there uh, churches across the globe right now are filled with people, uh, people that normally attend church and people that casually attend church, and it doesn't matter which one you are today, we're just glad you're here. But today, churches are, are filled all across the globe to celebrate something called Easter. Many people might not even know what Easter represents, but yet they go because it's what you do on Easter. And so they find themselves I- in church. But for me, Easter represents a turnaround. Because as we read the resurrection story, as we read what, what happened through the, the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, what we're really reading, we're reading about the greatest turnaround that has happened in all humanity and in all time. And so today I want to talk to you about a turnaround. Because I believe that's what Easter Represents. I know for me that's what it represents because I try to do this daily. I try to reflect, and it's a good thing to do as a pastor, but I try to reflect on the scriptures and, and I try to reflect on Jesus and what he means to me and what he's done in my life. And every time I do that, I always come to this conclusion that he is daily turning me around. The Bible says that we're going from faith to faith. What is that? My faith was at this level, but tomorrow, hopefully, I'm turning, and it's going to be at this level. The Bible says we're going from glory to glory. In other words, man, we're changing. We're being changed daily. So one day I was here, but, man, I'm experiencing a turnaround daily, and so now I'm here. And so faith is increasing in my life. Hope is increasing in my life. And how many know that right now, with the way things are around the world, we need some hope? In people and so today as we celebrate Easter that people have a moment to reflect on what it is and and so I want to propose to you today that Easter represents the greatest turnaround known to man throughout the whole entire Bible there's stories of great turnarounds you read the Old Testament you see the children of Israel and, and, and they would follow after God in the Old Testament but then they would they would do something and they would begin to turn away from God and then God would show up and begin to turn them back towards him. What is it? It's a turnaround. You read into the New Testament, and there's stories about individuals, and about people, about how they experienced turnarounds in their lives. One of the greatest that I love to read about is a, a man named Saul that later became Paul. And if you understand the story of Saul who became Paul, that he was one of the greatest critics of the church. He was one of the, the greatest uh, uh, hindrances to the church in the New Testament. That literally Saul who became Paul, that he was one that would go out and look for Christ's followers and look for Christians and he would persecute them and he would actually take them and have them murdered and killed. If you understand the Bible, you understand that Saul who became Paul was actually a mass murderer. He would take masses of Christians and kill them on the spot. But this man had a turnaround happen in his life. That in one moment he went from mass murderer to the one that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament that we read out. Of the Bible today. He was on, on, on the road called Damascus. The, uh, the road to Damascus. And as he was traveling on that road. The Bible says that a great light interrupted his life. Knocked him off of the horse. The donkey he was riding on. He was blinded for a period of time. And in that time God began to speak to him. And Paul began to experience the greatest turnaround in his life. So that now we read these scriptures written by his very hand. That's, that's an amazing turnaround. But today we are literally celebrating the greatest turnaround ever known to man. Because it was in this one turnaround that so many things happened. If we understand the story uh, of Jesus and and we read it and we fully grasp and comprehend what took place on the cross, that even before he went to the cross, the Bible says that he was beaten with a whip. But the Bible goes on to say to fulfill prophecy in Isaiah that these stripes that he took on his back were for our healing. That so in Jesus Christ, we can exchange our sickness for health. That's a pretty good turnaround. Turnaround. That if you understand the story, you understand that not only uh, were we once sinners, but because of Christ Jesus, we've now become the righteousness of God in Him. That at one moment, man, we had sin in our life, and we were what was called a sinner, but because of what Jesus Christ did, we are now made righteous, and so we've exchanged sin for righteousness. If We understand the story. We not only know that, but we realize that, man, we might have been in poverty, but because of Jesus and what He did on the cross, we can exchange our lack for His gain, and we can exchange poverty for riches. This is the greatest turnaround. But for me, as I read the story, God did not just want to turn around your circumstance and your situation. I want to propose to you today that God is not only working to take sin out of your life and make you righteous, not only working to take sickness out of your life and and give you health, not only working to take poverty out of your life and give you riches, but the greatest thing that God wants to do, no matter where you find yourself today, No matter if you find yourself in depression, if you find yourself lacking, if you find yourself in a situation and you're wondering where God is at, that the greatest thing that God wants to do through Jesus Christ this Easter Sunday is begin to turn your heart and begin to turn your faith and begin to turn your mind back on Jesus. Because the greatest turnaround is not just the circumstance that changed. The greatest turnaround is you beginning to change. Okay? I bought, I bought for my daughters, I, I bought them a, a big playhouse from Costco. You guys seen that big playhouse at Costco? The thing is awesome. Man, when I picked that thing up, I was the envy of all the children in Costco. It was awesome. I, was, I, I took a couple laps around Costco willing that thing just to show it off to all the children. And then I did a victory lap after that. All the kids were like, mommy, mommy, look. And then all of a sudden, I became the envy of all the moms, and they were looking at me like, man, what, in, what, what, what blessed woman has that man for a husband? And so I did another lap. <laughs> so I got it a couple weeks back, but I put it in storage because I wanted to surprise them because we went up to Seattle. I flew back early. And so I got it out of storage, and I didn't get it set up on time, but I had it waiting on the patio. So when they came home late Thursday night, they saw it, and they were so filled with joy. And so on Saturday morning, uh, we, we took time, uh, probably a little too much time, um, because I had them help me. Um, because I had them help me, a two-hour job turned into a six-hour job, okay? So I had them. It's a cool little project because everything's labeled number one, number two, number three. I love those kind of things, and so it's just like putting a puzzle together. So as I was putting this puzzle together, they were helping me, and I'd have to to screw some things in to hold it together. And so I'd say, okay, baby, hold this right here, and I need you to hold it very still. Okay, now holding something very still for a seven-year-old and a five-year-old is near impossible, okay? So I'm putting things, you know, it would have been nice just to go like this and put it together. I was going like this and putting it together because they're moving it back and forth. I'm trying to get this thing together. So needless to say, it turned into like a six hour project. And I would ask them to grab me little pieces. And so I say, hey, Kara, would you grab me number 19? "Okay, sure, Dad. Dad, where's number 19? It's it's right there, Kara. Dad, I don't see it. It's right by your foot. I don't see it, Dad. Where's number 19? Kara, it's right behind your right foot. I don't see your other right, Kara. I don't see it, Dad. And it and, and just keeps right there, you know. And, I, and I, I, I wanted to teach them how to build something, so I just exercised patience. <laughs> and Kara, it's right there. But she stayed looking right here. But she couldn't see what she was looking for because rather than changing her position, she wanted it to come to her. See, a lot of us live our life that way. That we don't want to turn around. We want our circumstance to turn around. We want our situation to turn around. Or if we're dealing something with somebody else, we want them to change. You all know what I'm talking about, right? Do I have any married people here today? (laughs) And when you pray for your marriage, God, would you just change my wife right now? Would you show her how amazing I am, God? (laughs) Let her know she was wrong, God, and I'm right always, you know? And when we find ourselves praying, we find ourselves praying for other people to change. And we find ourselves praying for the circumstance to change. We find ourselves praying for, for, for something to change. But little did you know that well, you're praying for something else to change, God's just sitting up in heaven with his, with his legs crossed, just smiling down at you, saying, oh, baby, <laughs> I want you to change. Because if we would change our position, if we would just begin to turn around, that we could see Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that he's been there all the time working in the middle of our stuff, working in the middle of our junk, working in the middle of our problem. But but we get so focused on what we want to change that we miss the fact that God wants to change you. That God wants you to experience a turnaround. When's the last time you prayed for yourself to change? God, would you turn me around? God, would you change me? <laughs> it's easy to pray for other people, isn't it? <laughs> Try that today. <laughs> Watch out, you might get what you pray for, though. God wants to turn you around today. And as you begin to turn around, I believe that's the moment where faith and hope begins to, listen to me, if you, if you can turn yourself around, If you can change your confession, if you can change your mental process, if you can begin to just turn that around, I'm telling you right now, you begin to feel hope, fill your life, you begin to feel faith, heal your life. Are you with me this morning? I'm telling you, a lot of it's just right up here, and it's right here. The Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. If you're walking around all the time talking about how bad things are, guess what? They're going to be bad. If you walk around thinking about how bad things are all the time, guess what? They're going to be bad. Listen to me, I can tell you right now, my kids will never change, and my wife doesn't need to change, but my kids will never change (laughs) unless I begin to change. I could pray (laughs) for my kids to change all they want, but listen to me, if my kids are being bad, it does no good for me to yell at them, because what do they learn? Yelling, and then I'm yelling at them for yelling in the house, (laughs) just doesn't work. But if we can grasp hold of the fact that no matter what I'm walking through, no matter what I'm facing, whether it's a relational issue, whether it's a lack issue, whether it's some traumatic event that has happened in our life, if we can just learn to turn ourselves around. There's an old psalm that says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look forth in His wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. If we can just learn to turn around and see Jesus... Man, I guarantee you our circumstance and our situation will be, this is what Easter represents to me. It's the greatest turnaround. God is working to turn the hearts of humanity. God is working to turn the faith of humanity. Because if we can have faith, it's easy to have faith in good times. Are you with me this morning? It is easy to have faith when everything's going well. And you can see it on people's faces. They're just like walking down the sidewalk, skipping with a smile on their face. You ever seen those people? And you just look at them like, gosh, jerks. But they're just so happy. Why? Because everything, but man, what about when things are going bad? I know some people, man, and they inspire me. Some people that things aren't going so well, but they just come in smiling and happy, and then I feel convicted, because I'm like, oh, I need to turn around. I need to experience a turnaround. I believe that this day is going to be a turnaround for you. I don't know why you came today. Maybe you're visiting. Uh, maybe you just wanted to come on Easter, and we're glad you're here. But I believe that today is going to be a turnaround in your heart and in your life. John chapter 20, we have a story about a great turnaround. There's a woman named Mary Magdalene. And if you, if you know anything about Mary Magdalene, she's the first one to get to the tomb, the Bible says, on that morning. Uh, when she gets there, man, her, her, her bad week just got worse in her eyes. Because her Lord and Savior, if you read the scriptures leading up to John 20, you understand that Mary Magdalene was a woman who had a lot of issues. She had a lot of stuff. She had a lot of oppression and depression and just garbage happening in her life. But one encounter with Jesus Christ changed it all. And so this to her, this was her Savior. This was the one that led her out of her stuff and her bondage and her demise. And, and, and now Jesus is crucified and she didn't fully understand the scriptures like some of the disciples did or the things that Jesus talked about. She didn't understand it all. And so she's going now to, to minister to the dead body of Jesus. And when she gets there, in her eyes, her week just got worse because now the body is not there. The Bible says she looks into the tomb, doesn't see the body of Jesus, and she runs and gets the disciples Then the two disciples run and and that one goes in and and sees, the next one goes in and sees. The Bible says that they walk away and they believe because they understood the scriptures. And so they believe that Jesus had risen from the dead. But yet Mary Magdalene was still there outside the tomb weeping. This represents our society today. There are many people sitting here this morning that you're here and you believe the scriptures and you know who Jesus is and so therefore you've experienced it personally for yourself and therefore you're filled with faith, you're filled with hope, you're filled with life. But yet there's many others that are here this morning and you're like you're like Mary Magdalene that you've looked for Jesus but yet you haven't found him because you don't quite understand the scriptures yet. But Mary is about to experience Jesus for herself and experience the greatest turnaround. Known to man. See, in this story, we see that God does not, and I believe this with all my heart, God does not just into changing your circumstance. He's into changing you. He's not just into turning around your situation. He's into turning around you. He's into turning around me. So as the disciples leave Mary Magdalene now, she's there and, and she's weeping. And so the Bible says she stoops down to look into the tomb again. And as she stoops down to look into the tomb again, the Bible says that she sees the place where Jesus laid. And she sees the grave clothes. And the Bible says that she saw an angel on the right and an angel on the left, or an angel at the foot and an angel at the head. And the grave clothes still there. This is the picture. This is the image that was inside the tomb. She's looking for a risen Savior, a living God in a dead place, in a tomb. She stoops down and she sees this. Now, most scholars and theologians say that the grave clothes were actually in the form of the body of Jesus. Because as they wrap the body with the grave clothes, they then put uh, uh, ointments and things on the clothes that become hard. And so most people believe that when they looked in, that they saw the grave clothes and it still had the form of Jesus, but yet Jesus himself was no longer there. And so it was almost looking at a, a mummy or a mummy figure. But yet there was an angel at the foot and an angel at the head. When Mary looked in, this is what she saw. She saw what all of the priests leading up to this moment have seen. If you understand your Bible, you know that there was priests. And these priests would go into the Holy of Holies and they would minister a sacrifice to cover the sins of humanity. And when they would walk into the Holy of Holies, they would see the Ark of the Covenant. You ever watch Raiders of the Lost Ark? Okay. Just get that image in your head right now. Okay. They would see the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant had, had an, an altar on top of it. Had a lid on top of it. And there was an angel on one side and an angel on the other. And the Bible says in Exodus uh, that these, these angels, that their wings would come and they touched at the tips, thus covering that altar. And there is where the priests would go and minister the sacrifice to cover the nation of Israel so they would be freed from their sins. Inside of the Ark of the Covenant were three things. There was the, the, the Ten Commandments that Moses chiseled. <laughs> that God wrote. Y'all, y'all, y'all know the story? Okay. Inside was the, the rod or a dead dry stick. The rod that budded, Aaron's rod. And inside the Ark was the pot of manna. The manna that, 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 that God fed the children of Israel with as they walked throughout The desert, looking for the promised land. These were the things that were inside the ark. So when Mary stooped down, she saw the sacrifice of Jesus. She saw the grave clothes. She saw an angel on this side and an angel on that side. But this time, something was very different. This time, it was not priests walking into the Holy of Holies because this is the greatest turnaround known to man. It was not priests walking in to minister a sacrifice. This time when she saw the same picture that everyone had seen as they walked into the Holy of Holies, this time the picture was in a tomb. This time the picture was in a graveside. This time, in other words, God was saying this, look, I'm closing the chapter on the former, and I'm bringing something new about. I'm closing the chapter on what was, and I'm going to bring about what is. Through Jesus Christ, the risen King, the risen Lord, the risen Savior, the one and only and ultimate sacrifice for all humanity. Mary looks down and she sees the law. She sees a dead dry stick and she sees yesterday's bread. Wow. She sees it. She not only sees that, she sees a form of Jesus. But yet it's not Jesus. She sees a form there and she gets up and she stands outside the tomb and she's still weeping. She's still weeping, because all she saw was a form. She saw a momentary covering of sin. She saw a momentary covering of issues. She saw a momentary covering of pain, but yet, in her eyes, at that moment, it, it it wasn't covered. It wasn't covered. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, that in the last days, we will have a form of godliness, but yet we will deny its power. When Mary looked in, she saw a form of Jesus, but Jesus wasn't there, so it lacked the power. You and I, today, and across culture at large, there's many things we do that are forms. There's many things we do to try to ease the pain in our life, to try to find satisfaction in our journey, to try to find hope in the process. There's many things we will do, and here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, it's just momentary. It might cover your pain for a moment. It might cover your issue for a moment. It might deal with things momentarily. But there's only one way to find true hope, to find true life, to find true satisfaction, and to find true salvation, and that's through Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. She saw a form, but she got up and she's still weeping. The angels asked her, woman, why are you weeping? Because I'm looking for Jesus. She stands up, She turns around, and she actually sees Jesus, but mistakes him for the gardener. Jesus asks her the same question. Woman, why are you weeping? I'm looking for Jesus. It's so ironic to me that the very person she's looking for, she cannot see because she's so overcome with pain. She's so overcome with grief. She's so overcome with all these things. Have you ever found yourself there before? Where you've been in a place where you're so overcome and overwhelmed with your situation, your circumstance, your problem, your pain, that you can't see a way out? Or am I the only one? That literally the answer is sitting right in front of you, but you're missing it. And that's why, ladies and gentlemen, we need to begin to turn our eyes off of our issue and begin to turn our eyes off of our circumstance and turn our eyes off of what is getting us down and turn our eyes upon Jesus because there is hope, there is life, there is satisfaction, there is healing, there is our provision. It's in Him. Too many of us are looking for the provision rather than the provider. Too many of us are looking for the healing rather than the healer. Are you with me this morning? But if we just turn our eyes on him, we get not only healing, but we get the healer himself. We not only get the, the, the provision, but we get the provider himself. But it takes you to begin to turn around. So today, I believe that turnaround is happening. So Mary looks, and it's, it's the garden. Where's Jesus? Just tell me where he's at. She begins to walk away. And as she begins to walk away, Jesus calls her. And if you study the scripture, you'll see that he didn't just call her Mary. He called her Miriam by her original given name. And right when Jesus called her name, something happened inside of her where she knew it was him. And the Bible says she turned around and saw Jesus. When she saw Jesus, something happened inside of her. So much so that obviously she began to cling to Jesus. How do we know this? Because Jesus says, hold on a second, don't cling to me. At that moment when she heard her name, the Bible says in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone would open up the door, I would come in and I would be their friend. I would be their Savior. I would be there with them. This is what took place in Mary's life. As, as Jesus began to call her by name, she began to have a personal experience. And she then began to turn around and saw Jesus once again. It was like seeing him for the first time. She would so full of excitement, so full of joy, so full of passion, so full of love for Jesus that she ran and clinged on to him to the point where Jesus said, do not cling to me. It's not time yet. She went, now listen, look at the story. She went from weeping because she was looking at a form. She went from weeping because she was looking at yesterday's promises. She went from weeping because she was looking at the law as she stooped down she went from weeping but in one moment of time here is what was and all of a sudden now she begins to experience what is she went from the old and look at the scripture ladies and gentlemen Man, the law was in the tomb. Yesterday's promises were in the tomb. Yesterday's provisions were in the tomb. What does that tell you and me? That we need to get rid of some stuff in our life. We need to get rid of some old hurts, some old pains, some old failures, some old stuff. And we need to put it, what is the tomb? It's a place of burial. And we need to put that stuff away and we need to begin to seal it off and bury it and begin to forget about what was and begin to look at what is Jesus, the risen Savior. Are you with me this morning? And so she sees Jesus and in one moment, her weeping turns to so much joy that she clings to Jesus. Wow. It's the greatest turnaround in all humanity. And I believe it's the turnaround It was not a turning around of her situation. It was not a turning around of some circumstance in her life. The Bible says that when she heard her name, she literally turned around and saw Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. Isaiah 42, 9 and 10. Behold... The former things have come to pass and now new things I declare to you, says the Lord. I believe that today God wants you to experience a turnaround and lock some things in a tomb and leave it behind, leave the legalism behind, leave the past behind, leave failure behind, leave pain behind, lock it up in that tomb and begin to turn and see Jesus and experience the joy that Mary experienced in that moment, and experience a new life. That is what Easter is all about. God, we thank you for today. God, we thank you, Lord, that your word is amazing. God, your word is relevant. God, your word is awesome. Do me a favor, if you would. Could you just close your eyes for a minute? And here at Urban, we like to just conclude every service just for a few minutes in a time of reflection. And reflect on the message, Reflect on the words that were shared today. And as you reflect, begin to ask yourself questions. Ask yourself the question of, man, where where am I at today with God? Is Easter just another day on a calendar? Or is Easter going to become something personal to me? Listen to me, if, 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 if Easter and Christmas are the only times you come, that's okay. We're glad you're here, and we want you to continue to come. But more than experiencing a church service, we want you to experience the life that's in Jesus every day. And that doesn't just happen at a church service. This is a time where we can come and celebrate together like we did in worship. This is a time where we can come and, and party together and talk about all the good things that God has done. But the life that Jesus wants you to live is lived out every day on your job. Lived out every day in your home. That Easter becomes personal to you. It wasn't real to Mary until her name was called. And I believe that today God is calling your name. He's calling you by name. He's saying you, yeah you. I love you. And I have a great plan for you and a great life for you.